All right. Hey, we welcome you back. We are going to be in a few different passages today in the Old and the New Testament. So um, we are going to begin. Our first passage will be in Proverbs 22. If you want to turn there. Amen. Just a little bit of an update. So we had what our network, our district calls is a network tour. So every two years they vote on presbyters. Uh, so I was a presbyter for many years for the capital section, which was Milford, Crete, and Lincoln. And then um, I moved into that assistant role, assistant superintendent. So now I just went around and I got in three. So I was up in Columbus and they voted on a presbyter up there, reelected Mark Rose, who is up at Norfolk. And then I was up in Omaha Thursday night, and so they really elected Walter Hook. He is an associate pastor at Bellevue Christian Center there in Omaha. And then um, in the capital section, Omaha combined two sections, so there was an Omaha North and South. They combined sections, and same thing here. So it was the capital section, and then Rock Creek was Nebraska City, Falls City, um, Fairbury, where Karen's daughter is at, and Hebron, Beatrice. And so now those will all be part of one section. I don't know what they're going to call that section, if they're going to call it something else. I guess we didn't talk about that. So, um, But the presbyter that was elected is Blake Armstrong, the pastor in Nebraska. And so he was serving as the Rock Creek presbyter, and we'll stay in that. So, um, yeah, other than that, there wasn't too much earth-shattering stuff. We did have Sarah. Sarah and Gary came up. They had a little bit of uh, pastor board training, and uh, I didn't get to sit in on that because I was doing another session, but I think they came away brighter and smarter and all that type of thing, so, all right. Hey, we're going to be, this is a little more just kind of a topical thing this week and next week, and then on February 12th, we're going to have Curtis Hubble with us. He is, they're from Lexington. Um, but he was a home missionary that worked with motorcycle, you know, uh, just kind of reaching out to motorcycle people and um, bikers. And so, but then they just really, he did a missions trip to the Ukraine, and then God just really spoke to his heart. And, and so during a time and a season where the Assemblies of God was not commissioning missionaries to the Ukraine, they have been appointed. And so they will be with us here in two weeks. That's on Super Bowl Sunday, so... Um, I don't know, I think we'll maybe just have this big bowl up here, and we'll, that's how we'll take up the offering, you know, Super Bowl, right? Is that a good way to do it? I don't know. We can think about that. Um, so uh, they're going to be here with us. I, I just really appreciate what he's sharing about the Ukraine, and um, he's definitely willing to go in there, even into that environment that they're facing right now. They probably won't go immediately to Ukraine. They'll probably go to one of the surrounding countries that, is, that are uh, taking in the refugees, right? Uh, but eventually they'll be right in Ukraine there. So uh, I think you'll look forward to that. So if you can be here for that. Um, Yeah, and then I think we're going to get back into the book of Acts. So after that. But this morning I want to talk about money. How many like to talk about money, right? Most couples do not like to talk about money, right? Right? Why? It causes tension. It causes conflict, right? 
Yeah, all of a sudden you sit down and think, man, my spouse is going to feel the same way about money that I do and, and value the same things. You know, one wants to spend a bunch of money on a vacation. The other one wants to spend a bunch of money on a boat, right? Or, or whatever the case may be. But you have, we value different things. And therefore, you know, when, you, when you're single, you just spend money on what you want to spend money on, right? And then you get married, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, and then you get married and it's fine. Oh, I have to talk to my spouse about this, right? All right. <laughs> All right. And so we, you know, it doesn't take a, you know, a rocket scientist to realize that in our economy right now, uh, where we're at, we're paying more, you know, at the pump. We're paying more at the grocery store. I, I, looking at my natural gas bill, last year was the first year we had natural gas. Uh, we were all electric before that, but so it probably would have been worse. Um, but from what I can tell, for the same amount of natural gas, we're paying about double. So they're saying a 15% increase, but I, I, I think it's much more than that, just from what I'm seeing. And it really hasn't been too bad of a year. We've had a couple cold snaps, but, um, you know, and, and then, you know, th there's just other things, the grocery store. Um, and things like that. So we know that um, that, that is an issue. So I, I listened to a, a Dave Ramsey. He had this like two-hour webinar deal. Th there were some people in person. The rest of it was just kind of live streamed. And I, I kind of took some notes on that. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take away some of that and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Just looking at biblical principles from God's Word because if there's one thing that people... Uh, can get stressed out about is finances, right? Um, especially when there's not enough to pay care of the bills, all right? And so Dave Ramsey does workshops for rookies in the NFL, which means, do you know what all, you know what the NFL stands for, right? Not for long, right? So the average player plays for three and a half years, and sometimes we think about, wow, they're getting all that money, but a lot of NFL players go in making the money, but they leave just, sometimes they're even, even in debt because they're living beyond their means. They have this money, they don't know how to handle it. So they bring Dave Ramsey in to kind of set them straight. In one of his sessions, there was a veteran wide receiver there, kind of standing at the back of the room listening in, and, and so it was during a break or whatever, Dave Ramsey went up and talked with him and say, you know, um, you know, you, you guys are paid millions of dollars to catch a ball, you know, and when the ball's right there on the numbers, right where it's supposed to be, why can't, I just, why can't you catch the ball? You're being paid all this money to do it. Why can't you catch the ball? And the receiver says, well, it's easy. There's a couple reasons. He says, the first reason is a fear, right? You're zeroed in and all of a sudden you hear the guy coming or you know the guy's about ready to hit you. So you take the eye off the ball or whatever because of fear you don't make the catch, right? And we see that, right? You'll see that if you watch a game. Even some of the great receivers, they hear that defender coming, they freeze, take their eye off the ball, and don't catch the ball. The other one is because of greed, right? There's nobody between them and the end zone. The ball's coming, and what do they do? They look towards the end zone. They're already running downfield, and the ball's not there yet, right? And the ball hits them on the hands, falls to the ground, right? Because they took their eye off the ball. And that can happen in our finances as well. Fear can really hinder us because we say, you know what, it is difficult times and I'm afraid to invest. I'm afraid to maybe set money aside so I don't do anything. You think about the guy that had the, the two talents, the one talent, right? He took it, buried it in the ground, did nothing with it, right? And we can do that as well. All right? 
Or we get greedy and we buy things that we don't need, right? And we get into debt. So this is some facts that he shared, some research that they shared, that 8 in 10 people right now, families are uh, are worried about the strength of the economy. 8 in 10, so that's 80%. That's quite a few, isn't it? Uh, Inflation has seen its largest increase in 40 years, all right? Um, And we we just know that because um, when you go to the store, it's just more whether you're filling up, uh, buying at Walmart. Um, The average uh, resignation rate from work um, in 21 was just 3.98 million, okay, just a little under 4 million, but that actually increased in 2022. 4 million people resigned their jobs. Um, 37% are struggling or in crisis in their finances, so over a third of people, Americans, are. Uh, 25% of Americans are relying on credit cards to make ends meet. That is a scary thing, okay? Okay, and if you're here today and you're, you're doing that, I'm not going to throw you under the bus, but, but people, what they're saying is credit card debt has is risen 15% this last year, and people's savings has gone downward, and, and so people are actually using their credit cards to buy food to put on the table, uh, they're using it to pay their utility bills, and I've never... Only once or twice have I been charged interest on my credit card, and it's because I thought I made the payment and I didn't. And, th- you know, usually if you have that kind of record, they say, okay, we'll give you some grace there, and they take it away. But if you don't, you're paying how much? 18, 20% interest per month? Yeah, it hits you hard. I wish I could get that kind of rate on my savings, right? Right? Four in 10 Americans have. Zero in savings. That's scary. Be- because, because, because things break down. Things don't, you know, it just happens, right? Um, and if you don't have any money to fall back on, then, then you go into crisis mode. If you have money in savings, it's, a, it's an inconvenience. But if you don't have money in savings, it's a crisis. Half of America's, Americans say that finances have a negative impact on their mental health. And one of the top cases, yeah, it's one of the top cases of marital strife. Um, 40% last year have cried over their finances. 82% of Americans have worried, are somewhat worried or extremely worried about their student loan payments. So I don't know if there's anybody here with student loan payments. It's kind of like this last year, you know, you had the elections. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, we're going to forgive your student loan debt. It's kind of like, psych, right? Right? Yeah. Not going to do that. All right. So... Get it taken care of, right? Okay, there's all this fear though, right? But people are still buying things. That's what's been kind of the anomaly of what's happening in our culture right now. Debt is on the rise. Money and savings is on the decline. And I think that's for God's people. That is the concern I have is because um, we are, people can live uh, in a lot of a stressful time. We can bring stress into our lives just because of how we are managing our finances in our own lives. And even yet, you know, just the, the dreams that God has placed in our heart, sometimes we can't fulfill those and do those because um, maybe we haven't managed the money that God has entrusted to us the best that we could. So um, Dave Ramsey's pretty animate about this. He said, you know, people don't change until they get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, and his story... Does everybody know his story? He was, you know, I think him and his wife were newly married. Maybe they had their first child or whatever. And a a debt 
um, you know, somebody, you know, collector, debt collector, you'd call him, called and talked to his wife and, you know, wanted to get paid for the bill and, and uh, you know, they didn't have the money. And, she, and the, the debt collector says, you know, why would you be married to a guy like that that can't pay his bills? <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> to that day, he doesn't like that company. But, um, but I think it was enough of a wake-up call. And I think they went through their own bankruptcy that then he began his own journey that morphed into Dave Ramsey Financial PC University, right? Um, and so he's pretty adamant about it. I mean, he doesn't believe in credit cards, um, you know, you know, debits, okay, debit cards, but never credit cards, right? He's pretty adamant about that. We've been able to, we, I guess I don't have a problem with credit cards if you can pay off the balance every month, but... Um, if that's even a temptation, then don't do it, all right? So we're going to jump in, just look at some principles in God's Word and see how we can let them govern our lives to bring financial peace. So let's pray and then dive in together. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it is the living Word of God that is able to speak life and wisdom into our life. And Father, we pray that you would come in these moments that we have. Speak to us, we pray. We ask it in your holy name. Amen. Amen. The first verse that I want us to look at is Proverbs 22.7 in the New Living Translation. And it reads pretty close in the others. But it says that just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is slave or servant to the lender. What is that saying? It means that if you owe debt, you're in bondage, you're in slavery to your lender. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? But isn't that the reality? The first thing is, the first principle is just to free yourself from debt. Debt is not considered a sin in the Bible. However, as we see in this verse, it puts us in a place of weakness instead of strength. It impacts our financial freedom because you're obligated to pay the lender until your debt is paid. And if you don't pay your lender, what happens? They come and take it, right? They come take your car. They come take your home. We just refinanced our loan for the church. We have to do that every five years, and so we wanted to get on top of that because interest rates were going up. So we refinanced, went through AG Financial this time. But, what, you know, when you're signing the paperwork, it's a little bit sobering because it's kind of like not only are they going to take your building, they're going to take all the contents in the building. I mean, it, it's just they get it all. It's pretty sobering. And it is pr- if you've bought a home, it's there too, Right? Yeah, it's there. If you read the fine print, it's all there. And it's pretty sobering that um, if you get yourself into debt, uh, you want to get out of it. You don't want to stay in that place of where that you have to make those payments, all right? Um, you know, what's even maybe a little more of a wake-up call is sometimes we pay in that interest every month, and it kind of like, well, there's a little bit of interest there. But if you were to look at your home loan, and how much you're paying every month in interest, it really is a significant amount if you really look at it. And then if you add up all the interest you pay in a, in a year, you could probably buy something pretty significant if you were not paying that interest. Uh, maybe the car, the furniture, um, home. Yeah. And, and so we're working from a place of weakness because we're putting all that money t- into interest, making other companies wealthy instead of ourselves. You following that? Yeah. That's why the banks have nice buildings. That's why all them, yep, because that's your money. All right? So 
Good thing is to save up for the big purchases. It's hard to save up money for a big for a new car. I don't, Amy and I have never bought a new car. We've always bought a used one, or we've bought one from our folks. They've used it a few years, and then we buy it from them. We've never just bought a new car. Maybe one day we will, but it's not the best investment, right? Because the minute you drive it off the lot, it loses what? I don't know, 10%, although used cards right now are pretty high. But um, yes, to save up for that. We've gotten accustomed just to making payments, right? Um, Jim Stockdale, Admiral Jim Stockdale. Anybody know who he was? He was a United States Navy Vice Admiral and Aviator. He's awarded the Medal of Honor in the Vietnam War. He was a prisoner of war for over seven years. Uh, he was the most senior naval officer held captive in the Hanoi North Vietnam prison there. But he made it out, and you know, when asked why he made it out, he said, well, it was easy. The optimists did not make it out. Those that said, oh, yeah, we're going to get out, and then they didn't get out in a month, two months, six months, a year. And he goes, those are the people that didn't make it. And, and so there's a principle that he has been, he's been given credit for. He says, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. In other words, have the end in sight, but you also have to be willing to deal with the reality that you're living in. In other words, if you're spending more than you are making, what does that mean? You have to cut someplace, right? Wouldn't it be amazing if our government did that? <laughs> we don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but they're discussing that right now, right? Right? Our debt limit, right? And it's kind of like, well, the only way is, you know, we have to raise taxes. Well, it's kind of like we don't know how to cut, right? We don't know how to face the hard facts. Nobody wants to do it because they want to get reelected, right? Um, we all need to have faith in the end story, but the brutal, but the face... We have to face the brutal facts to get to the place where we want to be. And so, so many times that means living on a budget, right? And that is not a four-letter word. It's a six-letter word just for, the, just for the... You have to live on a budget. You have to create one, then you have to be willing to stick to it, right? For many years, we were... Amy and I did the cash in the envelopes. Anybody do that? Cash in the envelopes? We would go, yeah... Pinnacle Bank, they, uh, they knew my exact amount. Uh, you know, it would take them a couple months, but they, you know, they knew what I needed every week, and we put it in the envelopes. And it's kind of like when the cash is gone, it's gone, right? You don't have any more to spend or I steal from one envelope, <laughs> right? Okay? We had a little bit extra that we can steal from that one. But you still stayed within what you had to spend, right? So now we just went to uh, all online, so it's all on my phone, and it, we're, we're still trying to figure that out. So it's working. But the main thing we want to catch here is free yourself from debt. Free, you know, when we moved here, we were debt-free, and then, of course, then we bought our first home. We had money to put down as a down payment. And we're, we're looking closely. I, that's my goal for 2023 is to get out of debt again. Just a little bit left on a vehicle and a little bit left on our home, and we will be debt-free. So that would be a cool thing. And it frees you up to do other things, to be generous and to invest in other stuff. All right? Let's look at our second principle. Uh, staying in Proverbs there, Proverbs 
31, 1 through 31. Now you're thinking this is Proverbs 31. What is it talking about? Come on, guys. Husbands, you should know this. It's the wife of noble character, right? Yes. You knew that, didn't you, Carlos? You knew that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the wife of noble character. And there's a reason why we're going to look at this, okay? So we're going to start. Um, now we're actually not going to start in verse 1, Chris. We're going to start in verse 10. There we go. Verse 10, it says, A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. So she has a good work ethic. We call that, yes, very diligence. In the Midwest, we are known for that good work ethic. She like, is like the sh- merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. Uh, she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. So she, there again, there's that good work ethic. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings. D- did she go to the bank and get a loan? No, she's buying the field with what she has earned. Some good wisdom there, all right? She's investing what she has made. She sets out about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable. So she's investing there again. And her lamp does not go out at night. And in her hand she holds the distaff and the grass, the spindle with her fingers. And opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. What's she doing there? She hoarding? She's generous, right? Why? She's able to be generous because she's worked hard and she's invested. And she's in a place where that she can give to others. Verse 21. Even when it snows, she has no fear. I have that underlined for her household. For all of them are clothed in scarlet. She, is, she has resources saved up. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed with fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gates where he takes his seat among the elders of the Lamb. He makes, uh, she makes linen garments, sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. There again. She's not afraid of the future because she has money in the bank. She has saved up for the, the rainy days, right? So it's not a matter of if they come. It's when they come. And when they come, she is prepared for them. She speaks with wisdom and has faithful instruction on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household. Maybe she even has a budget, it sounds like. Does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also praises her. All right. So she does a couple things there that are very important. And because she has a good work ethic, and then she takes her profits and then she invests them, right? So she's just not even putting it in the hole in the ground. She's investing that into things that are going to make her more money, right? Right? You know, for the last several years, you could have your money in the bank in a savings account, and you get the statement, and you don't even have to report it for the IRS because you probably didn't make more than a a buck of interest, right? It was kind of like it was 0.001% or something like that. It was just like terrible, right? And now a person, if you have the money in the bank, it actually is kind of like, oh, okay, that could take care of almost some one of my payments, right, that I have every month, right? Um, if you have that money to invest, you can get 3.3 right now, and it might even go up a little bit more. And if you have some money to put in there, 
That is a good way. Instead of paying something out, you are actually money ahead, right? So she works hard, and she's able to laugh at the future because she has margin. So that's the second point, is to live with margin. And what I find is that sometimes we just we have no margin in our life, whether it's our finances or even our time is another big one, right? Right? We can have meetings where we're trying to do this, 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 and this, and we just don't allow for any margin in our schedule or in our finances. And so when things don't go just right, then we're pushed up against the next thing, right? Um, Ramsey calls it that you should have an emergency savings plan. And so you begin with how much? $1,000, right? He says you can get that usually within a month. Most of the people they take through their class, they're able to generate $1,000. They go sell something, they do something to get, maybe work an extra job, go do uh, door-to-door delivery, right? You can do that. Get 1000 bucks. get it in the bank, right? And th- that way then if your van breaks down or your car breaks down, you at least, hopefully that'll cover that because right now if you go and have a breakdown, usually it's what, <laughs> 1000 bucks. <laughs> all right? Um, but you have that set aside. If something breaks down, you you can take care of it. I remember when we moved here. We, as I said, we God did a great thing when we were in Springfield. Uh, I was going to classes there at AGTS, finish out my masters, and instead of leaving with debt, we were able to leave debt free, and it was just kind of a God thing. We we had some inheritance money that came. It was enough to take care of my school debt, but also any other debt that we had. We even had a down payment to put down on our house. We probably did one thing wrong is that we, we were too eager to get our loan down, so then we just didn't have enough money and savings, especially when you're getting a new home and you have things to do. And so then the band breaks down, right? And it was right on uh, uh, 14th and Old Cheney. I still remember that. I still hate that intersection, right? It just died. It was the coils, the, it, you know, just the coils fried in there, and it just died. It was like 800 bucks, And I think we maybe had like $1,000, but, I mean, it just really made it. But that was it. It really put us in a tough place where I felt very uneasy um, because if something else goes, then I didn't want to go into debt. I didn't like that feeling. And so, um, you know, Ramsey will say, you know, three to six months, Expenses, that doesn't mean that's what you, for income, you don't have to have three to six months of income, but three to six months of what would your bottom line expenses be for a month and to take that times three or six and to have that money. And right now you can put it in the savings account and it actually is getting some pretty good interest. And uh, then that kind of blesses you too. It's kind of like, man, you just, get, whoa, wow, every month you're getting a little bit extra. This is what Proverbs thirteen eleven says. Before I read it, so the, is is the lottery is the lottery still? Did somebody win that thing yet? Somebody won it? Not yet. It's like over a million. It's like over a billion. Somebody won it. Do we know who it was? Wasn't you? <laughs> you know, people want to win the lottery, right? But your chances of winning the lottery are, you might, you know. Pretty small. Yeah. (laughs) Probably far away. This is what Proverbs 13.11 says. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. You know what? If you get an inheritance, a large inheritance, if you get a large, uh, say you win the lottery, 
most of the people have, have squandered that in two to three years. It's gone. They've lost it. That's what the research will show. Um, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Do you believe that? I haven't convinced some of you. Did you know that if you take $800 a month, that's probably less than a house payment, more than probably a car payment. Um, but $800 a month, invested over 30 years, some of you could still do this. You're young enough that you could still do this. At the, and put it in a mutual fund, Roth, IRA, good mutual fund. The stock market average over time has been 12%. So if you put in 12%, after 30 years, guess how much money you're going to have in the bank? How much? Million? Go higher. Over 2.1 million. Two point, that's crazy, isn't it? That is crazy. But it, you know how much money you've invested over those 30 years? $800 a month? Come on, Olivia, you're the math person. 300000 You've invested 300000 but you're going to get a return of over $2 million. Pretty crazy, isn't it? But that's how interest works uh, over time. You gather and invest little by little. And, uh, you know, some people become millionaires because, um, and that, that's not a goal. You know, I, I think we sh if your goal is to be a millionaire, great. I, I but I think the better goal is to say that I want to be in a place where I do have financial peace in my life, that I can live with margin and then I can be generous. Amen? Um, and whatever that takes, I guess. But um, most millionaires in our country have not, like, fallen into money. It, they've learned how to invest, and they gain it little by little. You know, Warren Buffett, we have our good example right here in Nebraska, right? That he's just, he's learned to invest over time and done it wisely, and he's benefited from it, right? Um, so, the last principle, I want us to look at Matthew Matthew chapter 6, so let's turn to the New Testament, to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So Gary and Mary will maybe be covering this, um, maybe getting close to some of this. Um, part of the Sermon on the Mount. But Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 34. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth, where moth and rust and vermin destroy. And thieves break in and steal. Okay? But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right. So there he's kind of getting at that we can, if it's all about the money and that becomes our goal, it's not going to be, uh, It's it has ways of getting wings and flying away, okay? Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if, so in other words, your attitude towards money. But if, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then if the light then in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other. If you're devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money. All right? Why does the Bible talk a lot about money? Because money is one of the key areas that we can get off track. 
it can control us instead of us controlling it, right? It can gain our affections. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And the answer is no. And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field, how they grow. They do not labor or spin. I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that, how God, if, if that is how God can clothe the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the king, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The last principle is to establish your priorities. That's what Jesus is talking about, right? He's saying God knows that we need a roof over our head. He knows that we need transportation to get to work. He knows that we need clothes for our body, right? He knows that we we need those things. But he's saying if that becomes our goal, right? And often we are focused on, you know what, I need this because my friend has this or my neighbor has this, right? right? They have that new thing, and so I need it. And, and what we see in our culture, and especially in American culture, is that we try to live beyond our means, and we're willing to go into debt to accomplish that, right? And then that puts us in a place of weakness, instead of a place of strength. The key, again, is to control our money instead of letting it control us. And God says, you know what, if we put Him first and we trust Him and we live by His principles, He's going to provide for us. And, um, and we won't lose our soul in the process. Amen? Um, if you think that, I'm going to have the musicians come, and I don't know if somebody needs to grab Amy or not, but we think that money will solve our issues. You know, and I, you know, if I had money in the bank or no money in the bank, I'd say it's better to have money in the bank, okay? All right? You you should have stuff there to pay your bills and, and not go into debt. But I will tell you that people, and we, you just open up the newspaper, wealthy people, often can't handle their money. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get divorced. Some of the most wealthiest people have been divorced and remarried three, four times. So money isn't going to give you a happy marriage. Every year, wealthy people take their own life. So if money can buy you happiness, it doesn't always translate into that, does it? Um, and so money we need it we need it to live to provide for ourselves but if that is our focus if that is our goal then we're going to lose track of the joy and the peace that God wants for us that's why he says put me first 
put my principles into your life. Let them guide and direct you so that you can live in freedom, that you can kind of live stress-free, and that you can trust me.